morning. I'm Anna Kukulbert. It's Monday, January 31st. The push for guaranteed funding for arts in school. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. The number of people hospitalized with COVID-19 in San Diego County has gone down to 1,210. That's a decrease of 16 people. That's according to state figures released on Sunday. The number of people in intensive care has also decreased. On Friday, San Diego County public health officials reported more than 6,000 new COVID-19 cases and 22 additional deaths. The county does not report COVID-19 data on weekends. The city of San Diego is facing a new legal challenge over its COVID-19 vaccine mandate for city employees. The lawsuit was announced on Friday and it received public backing from a group of local police officers and firefighters. At a press conference on Friday, the lawsuit was described as litigation filed in support of hundreds of city employees facing potential termination for noncompliance. The majority of the city's first responders are vaccinated, but hundreds are still not. While dozens of advanced termination letters have gone out, no one has lost their job yet. In fact, the city says the majority of those who got the letters have since come into compliance. If you felt some shaking yesterday, there was in fact a 4.0 magnitude earthquake about three miles southwest of Palomar Mountain State Park. According to the U.S. Geological Survey, the earthquake happened at about 9.45 a.m. on Sunday and was felt all across San Diego from the North County to the international border. Escondido police and fire officials say there were no immediate reports of any damage. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year, we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, we've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. Signatures are being collected right now for a proposed state ballot measure that could guarantee funding for arts in public schools. KPBS education reporter M.G. Perez tells us the effort could mean a huge transformation for students. So you're working in orange monochromatic and blue? Yeah. Max Swan is the art teacher at the Creative Performing Media Arts Middle School in Claremont, best known as simply CPMA. It's one of the San Diego Unified School District's showcase campuses for theater, music, dance, and of course, the studio art classes taught by Mr. Swan, who started as a math teacher. I got a math credential and an art credential and then quickly found out how much they actually um, overlap and interconnect. And now I'm an art teacher. Swan is passionate about his art as he conveys comfort and confidence to his 6th, 7th, and 8th graders and his students with special needs. Right now, the class is working on a group mural that will be displayed on campus. 13-year-old Michael Clark had never tried art until this year. 
He's a natural. Yeah, you, you can express yourself like in different ways. You can tell your moods and colors. Like you can see how you feel, like how's your day going. You can express it by doing art. The CPMA art class is an example of creativity that has survived the COVID crisis and budget cuts. It's also an exception. Even though the California Education Code mandates art, music, theater, and dance be offered to every student, less than one in five public schools today have a full-time arts and music teacher. Enter former Los Angeles Unified Superintendent Austin Butner, who is now leading the group Californians for Arts and Music Education in Public Schools. Butner calls this his passion project to collect a million signatures by May 1st and get an arts funding measure on the November ballot. He wants to bring equity to the show business state. We are that creative capital, not just in America, but really for the world. Uh, and that dichotomy between a robust creative industry uh, and public schools, which don't offer that same opportunity, is what we're trying to address. Butner and his organizers are proposing voters direct the legislature to use at least $800 million if there's a state budget surplus to exclusively pay for arts programs in every public school with no option to defer the money elsewhere. It's a radical idea with some radical supporters. Uh, you may know me as an actor, but when I was a teenager, I wanted to be an artist. Voice sound familiar? He is Emmy and Tony Award-winning actor John Lithgow. He is also now the face of the California ballot measure to save the arts. He's pushing for signatures and will be pounding the pavement for votes when, he says, the measure makes it on the ballot. This is a time of tremendous divisiveness and political turmoil. Everybody's hot-headed on the subject of political issues. But the arts bring people together in all sorts of ways. Get ready, use your good, powerful voice. Back at CPMA Middle School, Kathy Hickman's intro to theater class is hard at work on acting out lyric poems. She's been the theater teacher at this school for 20 years. She says she's happily put in much of her own money to support her students and hopes California voters will direct the state to do the same in November. It would be nice to get the extra help in order to serve the community the way they deserve to be served with all of the proper resources, things for building sets, um, all of our technology, and making sure that things are upgraded in an appropriate manner as well. Paid signature gatherers are being used at grocery stores. There will also be collection events for signatures at public venues soon. And then there are the classrooms. Ballot organizers are depending on teachers, administrators, and parents to spread the word and deliver their signatures to the effort that could just bring more supplies and create more opportunities for teachers like Max Swan. I'm developing a beginning, intermediate, and advanced at our school, so it's only growing. Students are more interested, and we're seeing more art on campus. It's a picture-perfect possibility, dependent on a million signatures to support the next generation of artists. M.G. Perez, KPBS News. A new state law in California is requiring food scraps to be composted rather than put in landfills. KPBS science and technology reporter Thomas Fudge says the benefits are many, but capacity is falling short. 
And you can see in here. Jessica Toth opens a composting bin at the Solana Center for Environmental Innovation, where she is executive director. For years, the center has been doing what state law now requires cities and counties to do. She says the new state law will make a big difference. It was a kick in the seat of the pants that uh, we really needed as a region to address the shortage we have in the capacity for managing our food waste. Rotting food in landfills produces about 20% of California's methane, a powerful greenhouse gas. But San Diego County is a long way from having the infrastructure to compost the half million tons of food waste a year it creates. Ken Prue with the San Diego Environmental Services Department says the city will roll out its expanded program this summer with $9 million from the city budget. So for things for being able to move forward with the hiring of, of 40 drivers and uh, to be able to purchase 43 collection trucks and to be moving forward towards all the containers. Jessica Toast says the San Diego region now has the capacity to compost only 30% of its total food waste. Thomas Fudge, KPBS News. Nearly half of Californians have postponed addressing a health issue in the past 12 months because of cost. That's according to the latest annual poll by the California Healthcare Foundation. KQED's Tara Seiler has more. Among those who put off care, 46 percent say their condition got worse. It's really become a public health issue here in California. Christoph Stremikis is with the California Healthcare Foundation. He says a quarter of respondents also say they, or someone in their family, had trouble paying at least one medical bill. He says Californians are looking to Sacramento for relief. More than 8 in 10 Californians would like the governor and the legislature to do something about health care costs. The poll was conducted late last year, and the data comes as two proposals are currently under consideration by policymakers. The governor is proposing to expand Medi-Cal coverage, while the Assembly must vote by Monday on a single-payer plan if it's to move forward this year. I'm Tara Seiler. Coming up this month, an indigenous woman was found not guilty for federal charges she faced for protesting border wall construction. She was acquitted on religious freedom grounds. I think it's very significant that this law that was created and has been used by the conservative right is protecting progressive activists, too. Legal analysts say it's an unexpected victory for Native American religious freedoms. That's next, just after the break. KPBS On Demand is supported by Under the Sun Foundation, presenting the Candlewood Arts Festival in Borrego Springs, featuring temporary public art projects that engage community and place. March 23rd. More at candlewoodartsfestival.org. This month, an indigenous woman facing federal charges for blocking border wall construction in Oregon Pipe Cactus National Monument was found not guilty. The verdict was hailed as an unexpected victory for Native American religious freedoms. From the Fronteras desk in Tucson, KJZZ's Elisa Resnick has more. Oh. She went in 
Amber Ortega was facing federal misdemeanor charges for entering and refusing to leave a closed area where workers were building former President Trump's wall along the U.S.-Mexico border in 2020. Sixteen months and two hearings after that day, she was found not guilty at the federal courthouse in Tucson. Supporters like the Hannah Otham traditional healer Mary Garcia were in tears. Like Garcia, Ortega is a member of the Tahana Atham Nation and is also Hiachit Atham. In court, she testified she was spiritually called to the construction line to protect Quito Paquito Springs, a sacred site in Oregon Pipe where her relatives are buried. Federal Magistrate Judge Leslie Bowman ruled that in prosecuting her, the government had violated her ability to practice her faith. Garcia says it felt like recognition of a longer battle. We're still fighting for our religions. We're still fighting for our freedom to pray, go out. We're standing on autumn land. This used to be a village. Ortega's defense hinged on the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, or RIFRA, a 1993 federal statute that allows people to challenge laws that violate their religion. Paul Bender, a law professor at Arizona State University, says it requires the government to prove that enforcing that law is still necessary. The RIFRA's intention was to say, hey, even though you have a rule that you're applying generally, uh, you can't use that in a way that burdens somebody's freedom of religion unless you have a really good excuse for doing that. Bender says RIFRA was forged especially to protect minority religions. But over the years, it's also helped the retail chain Hobby Lobby successfully avoid paying for contraceptives for its female employees as mandated by the Affordable Care Act. Earlier this month, it came up again when a group of Navy SEALs argued the Biden administration's vaccine mandate violated their religious freedom. Ortega's attorney, Amy Knight, says that's what makes her case unique. I think it's very significant that this law that was created and has been used by the conservative right is protecting progressive activists, too. A few years ago, Knight successfully used RIFRA to defend a group of humanitarian aid volunteers facing charges for leaving food and water out for migrants crossing the Arizona borderland. We're getting some religious freedom protection for acts that people are taking as an exercise of religion, not just for prayer or particular ritual. But Robert Miller, a tribal law professor at ASU who is a member of the Eastern Shawnee Tribe of Oklahoma, says cases involving indigenous religious freedom faced hurdles even before RIFRA existed because of a ruling called the Ling decision. So the Ling case is seen as really bad news for tribal religious practices. It was a landmark case where a group of tribes tried to prevent the government from building a road through a portion of California's Six Rivers National Forest where religious ceremonies took place. The Supreme Court ruled in the government's favor, arguing one group's religion could not interfere with government activity. That's the problem when we don't own the lands anymore. I mean, when it's federal land, It's hard to protect religious practices and sacred sites. Miller says that same idea became the benchmark in other cases, like the Navajo Nation's fight against snowmaking on the San Francisco peaks in Flagstaff. Both decisions were also brought up by the government prosecutors in Ortega's case, who argued the government has the right to do whatever it wants on the land it owns. But Judge Bowman ruled that the government substantially burdened Ortega's freedom of religion and did not have a compelling reason to do so. Miller says it's a surprising and hopeful victory. For her and for Indian country and for Indian religious practices, 
the question will be if any court in the future adopts similar type analysis. In a response to the verdict, government prosecutors say they respect the ruling and will continue to advocate for safe and lawful protest. A Department of Justice spokesperson said the office would not pursue a new case against Ortega. In Tucson, I'm Elisa Resnick. That's it for the podcast today. Be sure to catch KPBS Midday Edition at noon on KPBS Radio or check out the Midday Edition podcast. You can also watch KPBS Evening Edition at 5 o'clock on KPBS Television. And as always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Annika Colbert. Thanks for listening and have a great day. KPBS On Demand is supported by the San Diego County Toyota Dealers, whose commitment to customers extends to giving back to the community and who are proud to support the City of San Diego lifeguards with their important role of keeping our beaches safe. Toyota. Let's go places.